0: Jesus is alive, and uh, my name is Pastor Dominic. I'm glad to be celebrating Easter with you here today, and this is a beautiful moment, a beautiful weekend to celebrate and remember all that Jesus has done for us that Easter morning. I want to thank the the youth group, too, for the uh, pancake breakfast this morning. How many of you were there for that? Yeah. And I'll know who you are, because in a moment those pancakes are going to be setting in, as they are for me, and you can feel the carbs kind of starting to put you to sleep. But I just love that. The simple pancakes, the sausage, we appreciate all of the service uh, that you had there. But simple is kind of the theme that we're having this year for Easter. Uh, you know, I, I really thought hard about how I was going to present the Easter message and what kind of new spin I could take on it. And this is a common curse for pastors. is We have to try to reinvent this message to make it more gripping and appealing. But the core message of Easter is so beautifully simple and profound, it needs no improving. Jesus died, and then Jesus rose. The simplicity of Easter is beautiful. You know, we live in a complicated world, very complicated, and we kind of do that to ourselves in a lot of ways, but it seems as things keep progressing and improving, it gets more complicated. So how many of you have a TV situation like this at home? Right? There should be one moment in your life where you can simply shut off your brain. It should be watching TV. But we have one of these situations where there's a different remote for the TV and for the channels and for the volume and for the streaming apps and for the DVD player. And, and we had someone house sit our uh, house a number of weeks ago. And we asked her after we came back for a week, did you figure out the TV? And she said, no, I just gave up at like step seven. <laughs> but we have this complicated life that we do in a lot of ways. And here's another thing you might know what this is. If you are a young adult, college-age student, or newly married, you know what this is. It kind of says it in the lower right-hand corner there. These are instructions from Ikea. (laughs) Okay, now Ikea is a wonderful place with pretty cheap furniture. and, And how it works if you haven't been there is you walk through and see all of the finished furniture on the showroom floor and you go down to the bottom level and you pull boxes of completely uh, not, not put together furniture. It's all in the smallest amounts of, or the largest amounts of pieces you can get. And they give you instructions with no words on it. Okay? And they do this to make it simple for them, but it becomes complicated for us. So I'm convinced that IKEA is a Swedish furniture company that also dabbles in psychological torture. Okay, So it's, it's this complicated thing, and as I read this, putting together some Ikea furniture in my life, I, I read this to say, when you get to the point of frustration that you want to take out your anger on the piece of furniture with a hammer, don't do it alone. Uh, get some moral support with a close friend. And the next line says, after you've broken your furniture in anger, don't just leave it there. Give it a dignified death. Pray over it and then bury it properly. And finally, if you get two-thirds of the way done before you have your psychological collapse, don't go at it alone. Call IKEA and they'll have trained counselors to help you through this mental breakdown. We do so much in life that's so complicated. And that's why we can revel in the simplicity of Easter. It is the most profound and important truth Not only of our lives, but of all of eternity. And yet so beautifully simple. Jesus died. Jesus rose. He said it would happen that way. And all we have to do is believe. We're going to read that Easter account out of Luke 24 this morning. And I'll have you flip there. And as we're doing that, let's just pray before we read this text this morning. So, Lord, we thank you for all you did for us on Easter that you gave your one and only son that died for us to take our sins on his shoulders to pay that price, but that we can celebrate and, and, and revel in the fact and the majesty and the glory of who you are, that death does not defeat you, that death is not the final answer, that you rose from the grave and you walked out of that tomb, God, to be glorified at a higher level than we could ever understand. And with that, God, you give us your life, your resurrection power, that death is not the final answer for us either. So, God, as we study this, as we think about all you did, may we just revel in the simplicity, the beautiful simplicity of this Easter message. And may we place our faith solely in you for all you've done. So speak to us in this time, Lord. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. gonna read... Chapter 24 of Luke, verses 1 through 8. So on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he is still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then... They remembered his words. So as we go through this, I'm going to give you just five simple points about Easter. And the first, as we've already said, is that Jesus died. You know, the beauty of Easter is that this is in past tense and not in present tense. Okay, Jesus died, but he is not dead. But to understand the beauty of Easter is to understand why he needed to die. And to see here in this moment that they weren't uh, accepting anything else or expecting anything else... ...except for Jesus to still be dead in the tomb. And nobody, these women, his disciples, those who had been following him for weeks or months or years... ...really understood what was happening in this moment. Because many of them saw him go to uh, to the place of crucifixion, carrying the cross. And, And a few saw him die on the cross... And be laid in this tomb of Joseph, including the women who were here that day. And what had happened is, is the dignified Jewish death would have certain rites and and certain rituals to embalm the body and to cover it with spices and oils. And so the women who did not have time that night, when Jesus was laid in the tomb, were coming back now after the Sabbath rest to give Jesus that dignified burial. But there's some surprises that morning. The stone that had covered the tomb had been rolled away, and Jesus, as they suspected to be in the tomb, was not there. Jesus was missing. As we read on in verse 4 after this, they were wondering what was happening. They expected Jesus to still be dead, because up to this point, death had always been final. When you died, you died. But the beauty of Easter is that death did not have the same power over Jesus as it would over us and always has. But Jesus died. Jesus had to die. And to understand the glory of the resurrection, you need to understand the necessity and the purpose of his death. And so that might give us the question a five-year-old might have in this moment. Why? Why did Jesus have to die? Well, the short answer to that, the most simple answer, is because he loves you. He died to pay the price of your sins. But the long answer is that it goes all the way back, as uh, Steph had said, that, that the original sin in the Garden of Eden carried with it a great price, which was death. Sin requires death. But Jesus took our death upon his shoulders and paid the price for us on the cross. So the death that he experienced was not just any death, it was our death. He took our death upon him. So when he conquered death, it was not his death he conquered, it was our death he conquered. And this is the way it was always supposed to work. All the way back in the book of Isaiah, the prophet told of what Jesus would do in in chapter 53. 53. He said that Jesus was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. You notice when Jesus died, he didn't die because of his sins, he died because of our sins, pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And so the simple answer here of why did Jesus die? Well, because he loved you. Because he took your place. And he died your death to conquer it, to give you everlasting life. That brings us to the second simple point of Easter this year. Jesus rose. Jesus rose from the dead. And he was in that grave for three days. But on the third day, he walked out. The stone was rolled away and he was not there. And as the angels here, we know these to be angels because in the other accounts it makes it clear who these men that were glowing like lightning were. They were angels who had appeared and spoken to these women and said, why are you looking for Jesus among the dead? Why are you looking for the living Among the dead. He is not here, for he has risen. And that's why we're gathered today. And millions of others around the world are celebrating the single most unique attribute of Jesus among anyone else. He rose from the dead. So let's try this again this morning. He is risen. Just think about this now Is it. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Who else could we say that about? No one else in the world could be risen indeed but Jesus. And the resurrection means everything to us and to our faith. When we say he is risen indeed, what does that really mean to us? Well, the first thing I'd say is that Jesus, who rose from the dead, was alive after death, and is still alive. 2,000 years later, he is still alive as he was then. Even though we remember Easter as a past event, we celebrate it as a present reality. Jesus is alive, and he is risen indeed. In the book of Romans, we read in in chapter 6, verse 9, that we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again, and death no longer has mastery over him. What this does is sets Jesus apart as unique and important in every right and standard. And that's the second part of the resurrection. What it means for us is it makes every part of our faith in Jesus matter. Every bit about Jesus, everything that was prophesied about him for thousands of years before he was born, everything he said and did and accomplished, everything he promised for us matters because of the resurrection. He stands alone in his claims and his promise of conquering death. No one else has ever claimed that. You know, it's interesting, there's actually a shocking number of those who profess to be Christians, to believe everything that Jesus did and said, except the resurrection. But the resurrection is the single most important part of our faith. Because Jesus was exactly who he promised himself to be. Without the resurrection, Jesus would be a very convincing liar. But with the resurrection, he is completely Lord, In the book of 1 Corinthians 15, as we read from during the worship set this morning, the Apostle Paul really lays out what the resurrection means as he says, If Christ has not been raised from the dead, then our preaching and our faith is completely useless. He goes on to say, If Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, then our faith is futile or pointless, and we still live in our sins. Because that's what the resurrection means to us, is that Jesus, who conquered death, saves us now from our sin and our death. He rose so that we could be forgiven and justified before God. The difference between Jesus raising from the dead or not is the difference between heaven and hell for us. Jesus is alive, and he is risen indeed. We know that he saves us from his death and also in the book of Romans that he was delivered to death for our sins as we talked about. But he's raised to life for our justification. What this means is through his resurrection we can be justified before God and forgiven of our sins. And he gives us daily power in whatever we're going through. We read that the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead also lives in us. And as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give new life to our bodies with the same spirit. Jesus not only saves you from death through the resurrection, but he gives you a newness of life. So the simple point, as we understand that Jesus rose from the dead, is that he defeated death for you. So there's nothing we must fear in this life, not even death Jesus was victorious then. And he is still winning in every right today. That brings us to our third point here. The simple point number three. Jesus planned all of this. And none of it was by accident. It went exactly as he said it would go. And it's easy at times to think about Good Friday and Jesus hanging on the cross to think Boy, he got so close and then just barely missed. But good thing he was powerful enough over it anyway. But the cross, the trials, the pain, the death, the resurrection, all of it was exactly as he planned it to be. And this really, for me, illustrates the sovereignty of God. Nothing happens outside of his control or his desire. This is the angel. The angels now remind you, these women, this is happening exactly as Jesus told you it would happen. And yet in that moment, there were many who missed this miracle because they forgot the words of Jesus. But Jesus had said dozens of times, directly to his disciples and those around him, the whole game plan of how it was going to happen. But perhaps none was more specific than moments before he went into Jerusalem with his disciples in Matthew 20. Before he left for Jerusalem, he said this to his disciples, Matthew 20, 18 and 19. He said, we are going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man, now that's talking about himself, Jesus, the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day, he will be raised to life. Jesus gave the whole plan and here we are now on the third day. And is already forgotten. Being a parent of a toddler, I'm learning very well what it means to say the same thing over and over again. And it's never heard. And it's brought me to a new appreciation for my own parents of what they probably went through with me. So, mom and dad, if you're listening, I'm sorry I didn't listen to you more. But the same thing is happening in this moment where Jesus is giving a play-by-play and giving them the exact uh, details of what's going to happen, and they forgot. Easter was all God's plan. And that brings us to simple point number four. All we have to do is simply believe in what God said and did. And verse 8 is so incredibly simple, and again, so profound that these women, they remembered his words. It's kind of that moment where everything just kind of lines up and it clicks and it makes sense. Yes, we remember Jesus saying all of those things and then we saw very clearly that the tomb was empty and they remembered in this sense it means to take to heart or to truly believe all that Jesus had said. And that's a simple point of Easter for us. Just simply believe in what God has said and done for you. We like to make faith so complicated at times. But it's as simple as this. God said it, and I believe it. Jesus did exactly what he said he was going to do. And because they weren't remembering those words, they nearly missed the women and the disciples and all those who were following Jesus. They nearly missed the miracle of the resurrection that morning. But they had to remember and believe what Jesus had said. And it makes me wonder, what, what do we miss in our own lives? Because we don't have the faith of what God said. And, and it's amazing to consider, really, all, all that God tells us and promises us in his word. You know, you can live with great confidence that Jesus promised he will never leave you, he will never forsake you, he will be with you always to the very end of this age. You can live with peace as you give up all of your worries and your anxieties to God and and bring them to him in prayer and he'll give you the peace that passes understanding and in him is found the utmost of joy and love and truth if you just believe in what God said and did then you experience the miracles of what he's doing and Easter showed us that That we can take him at his word. He did exactly what he said he was going to do, even though they didn't completely understand it or accept it in the moment. So don't overcomplicate this. When it comes to the most important part of faith, which is our salvation, let's not overcomplicate that either. All right, faith brings you to salvation. And sometimes, We really limit our faith. We complicate our faith by what we can understand and what we can, un- what we can control. But it's this reality that God has said and done all that matters. And salvation, if you're not familiar with that word, it really means that we need some help. Because by ourselves, we are destined for hell and we need to be saved to be given heaven. And, and we overcomplicate this by trying to do too much ourselves. And we think, I'm not good enough to go to heaven. Maybe you just give up on the whole idea, or you think you have to do more to undo the bad. Or maybe you think, I'm not bad enough to go to hell. And relatively speaking, I'm a pretty good person. Maybe you are proud in yourself for all you've done in your life, but you never have taken that step of faith in Jesus. The Easter message is simple. Just believe in what Jesus did for you. And nothing you do can add or subtract from that. It says it pretty clear in Romans ten nine that if you confess or you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. That's pretty simple, right? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Simple faith in all that God has done. All that he has promised for you. And it comes to this moment of just understanding your need of what Jesus did on the cross and what he accomplished out of the grave. That you have sin in your life that needs forgiveness, and only Jesus can forgive that. And you believe that He did everything that's necessary for you to to experience that forgiveness, that He took your penalty on the cross, and He conquered that death on Easter morning, and then confess your faith in Him, and follow Him. And that brings us to our last simple point here. It's kind of a bonus point. This wasn't in the text. But I think this is the real big point of Easter. Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is our only hope. And it's made very clear in First 1 Peter 1, 1.3. That in his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, hope is kind of a funny and a fickle thing if you put it in the wrong areas in your life. Okay, it can take weeks or years or decades to build hope in things in your life, but it can take seconds for that same hope to fail and to falter. And so I'm going to ask you a simple question today. Where is your ultimate hope today? Is it in the things around you? Are you thinking, if I just have the right kind of house and job and the right amount of money in my bank account and the right cars, if I can build the things around me, I'll reach a level of hope. Well, all of those things are going to be gone someday. Is it in the people around you? Are you finding your hope as in your identity as, as something very noble, like a, a parent or a spouse is your hope in yourself, in what you've done, in what you understand, or in what you hope to do? If it's in any of those things, those hopes will fail you at some point. But Jesus is for us our living hope. He's our hope that is still alive today. He rose from the dead. He was alive then, and he's alive now. He has risen indeed. And that means we can have a hope that never fades and always survives and always wins. In the book of Hebrews, we read that hope in Christ versus hope in anything else. Hope in Christ is like an anchor for the soul. It's firm and secure and it keeps us grounded no matter what happens in life. And that's the difference between hope in anything else and hope in Jesus. We're going to sing about that in a moment as we invite the worship team up here today. But there's great difference between hope in anything else and hope in Jesus, our living Savior. When we understand that he walked out of that grave and he conquered death that morning we can have the confidence that nothing else is too big for him. He already conquered our greatest problem, and now we have this confidence, this hope in him that he will never fail us again. And if Jesus didn't give up on the cross as he hung there and he died for you and he suffered for you, and if he didn't give up when he was in the grave for three days, and he conquered death for you, and he did not fail on that battle He will not fail you now. Our only hope is Jesus. And this is the hope we have that never disappoints. It never fades. And it never fails. It's the only hope that our Savior, our risen Savior, can offer our living hope. Let's stand and close the service in song.